ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Story on the Spot. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jim Heskett, and going around clockwise from what I can see is Mr. Nick Thacker. Uh, it says Thack Attack because uh, he still hasn't learned his lesson about marketing. Uh, Kevin Tumlinson, R.A. McGee, and our special guest, David Wood. Hey, Dave, how you doing? <laughs> I'm well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, we should have made a custom graphic for you to show up, but afraid I don't. Let me throw this up there. Story on the uh, story on the spot live. That's where you can go to find out more about our show. Let's go ahead and get into it. I'll explain the rules real quick. What I'm going to do is to read a story prompt uh, based on a news article, and then we're going to go around and everyone will have a chance to pitch a story. Uh, Dave might sit out, but he also said in the pre-show meeting that he was not afraid to suck. So we appreciate story of my that. life. That's why we invited him. That's why we invited him to make us all look better. Uh, so I am going to do, do, do share my screen here. Okay. <clears throat> Lama Lama, Ohio student Mendel Weinstock joined his sister Reva that when she joked with his sister Reva that when she got married, he would bring a llama to the wedding as his plus one. So when Reva tied the knot, Mendel made good on his promise, showing up with a rented llama named Shocky wearing a custom-made tuxedo. Reva was unamused, but said, when my brother puts his mind to something, he gets it done. I can't do an Ohio accent. I don't know what that sounds like. Mendel spent $400 to rent the llama, but said it was worth every penny. Shockey spent about 30 minutes taking photos with amused guests outside the venue, but friends who were in on the joke seated two inflatable llamas at one of the tables inside. Reva said she'll get her revenge. He should sleep with one eye open. So Llama as a wedding guest is our first story. Do uh, is anybody ready to go or should I pick on someone? I have an idea. And like right. said, I'm not Let's afraid hear it. to suck. Okay. Um, his sister decides to go prank him uh, before the honeymoon. She and her fiance sneak to his house and they happen upon thugs who have killed their brother and taken the llama. And they then have to go in pursuit to find out why they wanted the llama and what was special about it. And it turns into an archaeological mystery, sort of national treasure style, where the llama is, it has been born with a birthmark under its fur, and there's a map to a temple in Peru, blah, blah, blah. So a little Indiana Jones fantasy, a little bit of thriller, a little mystery, and nobody has sex with the llama. Sorry, Nick. You lost me. I'm out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, you, you had me until the end there. I think I'm not going to read this book now. <laughs> Someone needs to have sex with the llama, apparently. <laughs> That's not the book I'm looking for. <laughs> All right, let me put this back up here for a second. All right, so Nick or Kevin or R.A., would anyone like to volunteer to go next with the llama yeah, llama story? I got, I got something, something decent, I think. Um, what we're dealing with here, folks, is a, is a very, very straightforward, traditional uh, drug-running scheme. Um, the llama that ends up, uh, is it Riva that he purchases? Um, or, uh, no, well, is the name right of the llama. Mindel, Mindel purchases, um, is, uh, actually, um, an Argentinian llama, uh, or, uh, it was in Peru, Peruvian llama. And this Peruvian llama, uh, is owned by a company that's actually running drugs into the United States, um, by having the llama ingest the drugs and then they send it and within they, they've actually calculated it out so like within a day and a half 
the drugs will exit the llama. Um, and that happens uh, right after this. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to keep it PG. You know, this is good. We got Dave here. I figured F bombs are going to be dropped pretty soon. So I figured I could keep it PG. Um, yeah. And so basically, uh, the, the story ends right before the story that you read, Jim, ends right before the llama um, exits its, uh, its drug cash, its booty. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I told you. Oh, he has a fixation. Um, and so that's, that's, that's what the story is. It's actually a drug running llama. And we're right at the beginning. You basically just read the, the first act of this four-act play. Um, and, uh, and right after this wedding ends, the llama shats all over the carpet a bunch of drugs. And um, we find a bunch of people trying to come collect uh, the bounty from the booty. The booty from the booty, I should say. The booty oh, booty. My goodness, that's gross. Well, thank you, Nick. All right, all right. I think I got one. If if you want me to go, you don't down, need to I'll go. Be... I mean, I clearly, I clearly won. I don't think you need to go now. It was yeah, amazing. But... I, I'm, we're all battling for second right now. <laughs> so I think that we are. Uh, I think we're dealing with a case of a uh, a trickster, a trickster god. Okay. So in the Midwest, you know, Minnesota, Ohio, places like that, you know, they were settled by uh, really hardy Scandinavian and European people. And, you know, very Neil Gaiman-esque, they brought some of their gods with them. And obviously they brought Loki with them. And so uh, the young man, uh, the brother, uh, loves his sister very much. You know, they make the story out to be where he's kind of giving her a hard time, but he really loves her. And five years ago, uh, she had a hard breakup and she was going through a hard time and she was just deep in depression and he wanted to do anything he could do to help her. And so uh, he struck up a bargain with Loki and said, you know, I want you to find someone for my sister to marry. You know, she's all I care about in the world. You need to take care of her for me. And Loki goes, all right, no problem. Uh, but if I do that, you're going to have to take a llama to her wedding. And that's that's Loki's uh, payment. He just wants to see a llama at this wedding with this woman uh, because he Loki gets his jollies because he knows the the sister was so serious about the wedding. She'd been planning it and planning it and she wanted everything perfect. And so uh, he's just getting his thrills on uh, kind of basically making fun out of the whole day. So everyone got what they want. Loki got a good laugh. The brother got a sister, uh, a husband and the sister uh, got a man. So. All right. Very nice. Uh, all right, Mr. Tomlinson, you are the last to go in the first round. All right. Round. You would think that would give me uh, some kind of advantage, but it has You'd not. think. Um, Just steal Nick's idea. Yeah. Uh, put a dress on it. No. Okay. So I think uh, this is a case of parallel realities merging. Uh, the uh, The joke was that this guy, Mendel, was going to bring this llama to the wedding. That was the gag. Uh, and he really didn't have any intention of following through with it until he saw uh, llamas literally being offered up for rent just randomly one day. And so he plops down his 400 bucks, and uh, the, the llama attends the wedding with him. But unbeknownst to our hero, the llama is actually an agent from a parallel world where llamas are actually super intelligent, and they're looking to invade our world. And so this is their end. They're they're doing this is sort of a pre-scout mission. And the llama has infiltrated our culture and is looking at our mating rituals so that they know how best to enslave us. 
Wow, I like it. Yeah, that's that's a nice dun 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 there. I already put it up. Sorry, there, is, is, one just more time. To be clear, is the mating ritual is that the only step needed to enslave the entire race? They're like looking. The they're, civilization of people. they're llamas. Like understand this the mating is, ritual, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. this is this is how llamas think. It's all about the mating. Okay, okay. And so by it's the way, really the getting title, the psychology of the llama, right? The title of this story. I can is hear not. everyone except Kevin, so I assume that was an awesome idea. <laughs> For some reason, I can't hear anything. Uh, why is it? What did I? What did I tell you about him learning how to use a computer? It was the same thing last time we did something. So the name of this story, by the way, is Miyama Lama. Oh. Very nice. No, oh, because okay. they're spelled the same. They have to pronounce them the same. It would be Miyama Yama. So if you are watching, uh, throw a comment uh, down there and let us know who you think won that round. And while I'm going to wait a few seconds for that, because I forgot a really important piece of housekeeping at the top of the show, and that is the week five winner who won last week and uh nick is pointing at himself kevin is pointing at himself dave wasn't here but mr ra mcgee is the week five winner far and oh. away had way more <laughs> wait did you count all of his like alter egos votes for him because she that voted for him nick. like 20 times that was nick <laughs> did you, that, did that you was nick. Ego. My you better half the, voted once sir he just stole all I, my ideas did you throw all those out because <laughs> so we, we threw your ideals out nick don't worry congratulations ra now i'm going to move on Yay. to story number two this is called firefighters were called to a farm near leeds in england to put out a fire in a large pig pen at this particular farm the pigs wear pedometers pedometers to prove their free range but one of those gadgets was the probable cause of the blaze firefighters said they theorized that one of the pigs ate one of the pedometers, then passed it in its excrement, which actually means poop, sparking a fire in the pen's hay. The culprit was the copper in the battery reacting with the pig droppings. No pigs were hurt in the fire. So who would like to go first with this amazing story prompt? Where could you take this tale of pig poop and fire? And I don't see anybody leaving. Uh, I'm going to have to call on somebody. Kevin. Okay. I was prepared for that. Uh, what we have here, and I'm sorry that David Wood can't hear me. <laughs> he clearly can't hear me. Uh, what we've got here is a uh, an experiment in uh, the development of a new uh, fuel source. Uh, somebody is out uh, manipulating these pig farms, uh, experimenting, trying to find ways to turn the pigs into fuel generators so that we can load them onto spaceships and fuel our, our uh, exploration of the solar system. So they're, they're tinkering with things, and uh, that tinkering alerted authorities to their presence by causing this fire on the pig farm. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. I mean, I'm trying to appeal to Lisa Badger, who never votes for me. <laughs> well, it sounds like we all need to uh, uh, take a lesson from from R.A. and uh, just copy his storytelling style because he is killing it. Um, I'll go next if nobody else has anything. What you got, R.A.? Uh, so this is – I think that we are dealing with a, uh, a very uh, sophisticated criminal syndicate. All right. And uh, that they are making meth. OK. 
and the reason why they own this pig farm like they exist in the in the city obviously but they own a big pig farm on the outside of town because if snatch taught me anything it's that you know pigs will, will eat anything you know and so uh this is where they dispose of their problems, you know? So they make the drugs there, they take the drugs into town, they sell them. Whenever they have someone that ODs or someone who's moving in on their turf, they take them back to the farm and then they feed them to the pigs. And uh, what blew up was actually a, a, a meth still. And uh, they had to try to hide it by uh, saying that it was the pedometer from the pig. But uh, I think we've got one intrepid cop who uh, is a little bit of a rube, but they follow the trail to the big city and uh, team up with a detective there, and they uh, crack this mystery. So uh, it's all about meth and uh, body disposal. All one. right. Okay. Meth and body disposal and pig poop. <laughs> meth and pig poop Maybe the title of this episode. We'll see. <clears throat> okay. I got something. We ready? Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Or if you guys want to hear the winner, I mean, I can go ahead and go, or I can wait a, a few. Um, so... What we're dealing with here, again, uh, is a classic story of, uh, of the copper market surge in pricing. Um, shut up. Just, you know, just give me a chance, man. Just... <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing we're talking about pig poop is all I'm saying. <laughs> Look, it's just like people stealing catalytic converters because of the, <laughs> the, the, the precious metals inside, right? It's, it's the same sort of thing. These pigometers, is that what we're calling them? Pigometers? <laughs> Man. I got, I'm I got this guy. I just wait for you to say, say poop again, bro. I am in. Or booty. Uh, <laughs> and that's my story. Uh, Dave, you're I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Nah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. It's really good. I think. Okay, so the, the starter. <clears throat> Is in on this with uh, with the pigometer producers because they're using copper that is actually. <laughs> I'm gonna have to mute Ra. <laughs> he still has a Christmas tree up. What are you yeah. doing, man? Are you yeah. early? <laughs> oh, I keep them up all the time, man. It's a New Year's uh, bush and it's a Valentine vine and it's uh, you know Arbor Day. <laughs> Yeah, I keep them up all the time, man. I love them. They make me happy. <laughs> I like you. Dude, that's cool. You do you, man. Um, and I'm going to do me, which is my story right now. So I'm going to interrupt you. I'm and sorry. I'm going on mute. Basically, so the farmer has figured out a plot to be able to not only sell these uh, pieces of copper on the copper market, which is a just thriving, thriving business in Ohio uh, or in England. Mm -hmm. The last one was Ohio, right? This is England, Leeds. Mm -hmm. um, Copper's big right now, and this company has has been sitting on a fortune of copper because they bought it long, long ago. Uh, but they've been making their pigometers and selling them to the farmer, and the farmer has been using them. And then they both realize that this copper is actually worth a lot more money now. But because of um, laws, this company can't actually take the copper back out and sell it again. Um, so they have to figure out some kind of plot to be able to get the copper back into circulation. So the farmer has realized that not only, it's basically a double indemnity sort of deal, right? Where he can sell the copper on the open market, share the profits with the company that made the pigometers. And then, and I'm gonna keep saying pigometer because I know R is trying to, <laughs> I can actually, he's muted, but I can still hear him laughing. I, I can hear it in my mind, it's great. Um, but then he, he actually can get the fire insurance payout from the 
from the damage that was caused by that. So that's the plot here. It's, uh, why are you posting stuff about people liking Kevin? Damn it. I just, I want to win something. Okay. Somebody give me a point. That's my story. I'm shut up now. You that's should be story. streaming on Pornhub. You'll get all the votes there. I never told you I wasn't. All right. So I think, Kevin, have you gone? Did you go? Yeah. Yep. It's just me left. It's just Dave. Dave, do you want to go? <laughs> In other of... words, Kevin, your story was very memorable. Yes, I. I've clearly well, I won hope this I don't round. Okay, Kevin's story, since unfortunately I can't hear him, but that's okay. That's how I really want it. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm thinking a Midsummer Murder style story where the um, crime scene at the pig pen is the inciting event, and we investigate rival pig farmers, we investigate the manufacturers, we investigate the neighbors throw in some red herrings, but in the end it comes down to, you know, what most British mysteries are, which is incest and adultery. So <laughs> if you watch enough early Midsummer murders, you would can be convinced that everyone in a village is sleeping with their sister and their uncle. And their, it's, it's weird. Downton Abbey enters the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave entering out of this, please. I like the concept of the rival pig farmers. That's, that's some interesting fertile ground to explore there. And you could have poachers who, you know, maybe they had an issue with poachers who also kill their pigs and stuff. So, yeah, you can bring in all the locals. You could throw in some red herrings with cults and druids and Romans and all that stuff. But in the end, it's just jealousy and sex. And we money. thought it was the druids, but it was just sex. Yeah. Kevin keeps lifting his <laughs> lawn gnome in front of the camera for some reason. That is his name is not Roman. I'm not doing anything. And, and David said Roman, so Kevin had to bring Roman into it. Ro Roman had to show up. There you go. All right, moving on. This one's a little long, but it's got a great punchline at the end. That's I what enjoy. She said. Yep. The select board of Croydon, New Hampshire, ruled unexpectedly that it would abolish the town police department and rely instead on the New Hampshire State Police for law enforcement. Croydon Police Chief Richard Lee, the sole member of the police department for almost 20 years, was asked to turn in his equipment including his uniform, badge, and the keys to his police cruiser. So at the meeting's conclusion, Lee faced the board president and gave them my uniform shirt, I gave them my turtleneck, I gave them my ballistic vest, I took up my pants and walked out the door. Lee walked about a mile in 26-degree temperatures before his wife picked him up. The board released a statement saying the decision was an action based on value for the cost of the department. Resident Rick Sampson told reporters, what kind of town lets their chief of police walk out in a snowstorm in his underwear? And uh, I, I would I researched a New Hampshire accent a little bit, and it was not it was way too far out of my uh, comfort range. So no trigger warning for a bad accent on that one. All right, who would like to talk about the police chief in this town walking out into the snowy weather in his underwear after being fired from his job to twenty years? Is it too much of a bummer? Is it too much of a downer? Did he die? No, I think he's evil and has secrets to hide, so I'm happy. <laughs> Dave sees this as justice. <laughs> <laughs> so who wants to go first? Am I going to have to pick on somebody? Let's see who we well, got I, here. I went first last time. so I can go. I guess a little bit. Not much. Let's go, Nick. So what we got here, guys, is a classic, classic ploy um, based in revenge, okay? And uh, and. and trying to keep somebody silent. And now this guy, chief of police in a small town, um, only only officer on the force, meaning this town is a very, 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 very attractive target for some, uh, some mafia activity um, from a nearby large town. 
uh, may not exist in New Hampshire, I don't know. Um, and so the mafia has chosen and targeted this town because they only have one police officer and only you know one person on the entire force um, to do their business. And so what happens is they do their business, they kill who they need to kill, but the problem is this guy's a really good cop and he finds out what happened. He finds out what they did and he says, I'm coming after you guys. And they say, well, here's the deal, man. If we kill you, then the federal government will now, you know, take notice because we killed the chief of police in a small town. So we're gonna let you live, but we're gonna we're also gonna watch you. We're gonna track your family. And uh, what you need to do is resign your post, close the police department completely, and you need to make it seem like you're a little bit unhinged when you do it. So you need to take off all your clothes at the station and then walk naked, essentially. 26 miles um where you may where there die. will be a llama waiting for you at the other end <laughs> hey. so for the let the record show dave saw my story um <laughs> clearly that's exactly where i was gonna go with it um probably something in his butt too i don't know but anyway that's uh that, that's that's basically what happened the, the deal is he has to resign everything and give away his 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 prized job and reputation and become a little bit unhinged in order for him to live with his family and wife uh you know and in safety and uh he does that but of course his wife discovers him on the road a mile away dun, dun. i'm trying to get a dun 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 there you go thank you <laughs> dun, dun, dun. i try to earn it so the uh i, I like the twist that the, the big staged walkout was or the big walkout was a staged ruse to help sell the corruption in town. Very nice. Let me I put mean, this it's, back. It's obvious. Here. It's not obvious to you guys. It was obvious to me. Was, was I mean, obviously, the real story classic. here. Mafia staged walkout of naked police officer. <laughs> All right. So who would like to go next? I'll sit here for a few seconds staring at everyone. Let me see who I've, looks the most. I've got an idea. Okay. Dave, go ahead. Okay. I'm thinking. Uh-oh. Begins the eve either you know, historical prologue, because that's what I do. And then the evening prior to this event, uh, he is called to the nursing home to meet his father-in-law, who is the former chief of police. His father-in-law confesses something that horrifies him, but the reader doesn't know what it is. And he works with his wife, the uh, daughter of this old man, to cover up a secret that's hidden within the actual old building. The wife has to get something out while he's creating a big distraction by doing his big dramatic thing and the naked thing in the media. And so, uh, and they're all distracted. She steals the thing and they have promised the father that they won't open this box. They're going to deliver it to a certain place. And then depending on what I could find in my research for this part of the country, we could either go in like Salem witch hunt, witch trials direction with witches. We could go a horror direction. We could go thriller. But I think that that's the way I would go is that there's a secret Maybe the father-in-law is murdered before they can take this box to him, and then they open it, and the, what's inside, they try to solve the mystery themselves and um, take it whichever genre seems most exciting for you at the time. Hey, you're not allowed to like make the audience do the work, Dave. You have to actually give us the story. You <laughs> no, can't well, be like, you okay, can so it. we can take the, the direction we're going to take is a really, really good story, um, and that's my yeah, story. it's going to be great. So I should, I should get the best points for that. Gotta, okay, we're going to go like if, real Christopher right. Nolan style. Right. Knowing me... It would probably end up being a modern day thriller with something either back to colonial America with some big secret they want to cover up, or there's a cult left over from uh, the witch trial days, and there will be some archaeology and thrills 
All right. Dave's good at this. He's making all you guys look bad. Who would like to go next? Have you just got Ari and Kevin, right? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll go. Um, okay. So, uh, and I know Dave can't hear me. That's a bummer. Uh, so the reality uh, in this town is that they, over the past year or two, uh, what would every, Terry Pratchett do with this story? Everyone on this board actually uh, agreed to and brought in an, an organization that's that's essentially they've they're covering it up, but they're essentially dumping toxic toxic waste in this area. And this board is complicit with the whole thing. They're covering the whole thing up. Um, and the chief of police have, has found this out. He's the only person on the police force, but he's found this out. He knows the uh, the truth behind this, and he's confronted everyone. And in return, they're asking him to leave the board. But uh, one of the reasons this is a hot button for him is that his wife has actually developed uh, cancer and a very rare form of cancer and is on her way out. And, when, and he has just had it with this group. So when he leaves, that's his protest. He's not just walking away from that job. He's walking away from everything that stands for because he's about to go full revenant on all these people. His wife picks him up and then takes him home. And then shortly after that, she passes. And that's the final straw. So he goes, uh, you know, uh, what, what's the uh, – Revenant was my first reference. What was the other one? Uh, no Country for Old Men. He goes full on and uh, starts taking the, this council out, taking out the guys responsible for dumping this toxic waste into his town that took, you know, this stuff that took out his wife is taking out other people in his town. He's reclaiming the town. That's my story. <laughs> on a scale of zero to the <laughs> the Revenant, how angry is your character? He's, he's, he's very he's yeah. full, full Revenant. He's full Revenant. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, Mr. R.A., let me put this up here for a couple seconds. You okay. can refresh your memory on the names, and then we need your story, sir. All right, so what I think uh, this is is uh, Richard Lee um, is, you know, the lone, the lone person standing in the face of a very corrupt town. The corruption is deep, and it's, it's from the, the board to the city council you know, everyone who's in charge is corrupt and he's doing everything that he can uh, to try to fight this corruption, uh, you know, where they're they're they're, you know, taking people's land and they're selling it to developers and things like that. And uh, so he's trying to uncover that, you know, people go missing. You know, he's trying to uncover uh, everything the best that he can, but he keeps getting stonewalled every chance that he gets uh, because everybody's in charge and he's the only cop. Right. So what he does is you notice that it said the state police were going to take over policing the area. Uh, his roommate from college is the captain of the state police in the area. So his roommate says, well, if you want to really get to the bottom of all this, you know, come join us and we'll give you free reign to do what you want. And you'll have a better jurisdiction, yada, yada, yada. So uh, Rick quits in a big show, you know, basically telling everybody to F off and he leaves and he goes to work for the state police and uh, so he can continue his investigation, uh, you know, but the twist is that his roommate, uh, who his new boss is actually in on it. He's the kingpin running everything. Hey, I got one. <laughs> He's the kingpin running everything. And he hired Rick so he could keep an eye on him and basically lead him astray so that the power brokers in the town uh, don't kill Rick. And uh, so that's that's kind of what I would do like that. 
All right. So let us know in the comments, you uh, watching and listening, let us know in the comments which story you think is the best one. And we only have one more story today. We're coming up on half an hour, so this will be the last one. And I do have a bad accent coming oh. for this one. Sorry. It's just how it goes. Crime is the worst deodorant. Police in Spire, Germany, gave chase after they were passed by a car driving at high speed with its lights off. The suspect, a 26-year-old man, pulled over and ran from the car, leaving a trail of scent that was so distinct that officers said they were able to follow it from the car to the man who was hiding behind a hedge. Due to the cloud of perfumes that was detected inside the car and on the man, police said, it was possible to identify him as the driver. His breath didn't smell quite as good, though. He was far over the legal alcohol limit. Okay, so what we got here is a guy who was uh, all gassed, uh, some German guy was all gassed up on probably DMT and perfume, and uh, he's driving his car, crashes it, and runs off, and they didn't even need a police dog. They just smelled that Drakkar Noir coming out of the, the hedges, raced over there. Who among you is brave enough to be the first to tackle this story? I'll do uh, well, it. I, I think I, I have to allow you because I've gone first before. But if you say the word Nazi, I'm going to probably murder you. I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay. Sir. That's okay. not how I get down. Right. Okay. So um, I think that our. Don't get down as a Nazi. No, I don't get down like that. Um <laughs> I think that our uh, what's the guy's name, the the guy the runner. There was um, it there was no say. name. Okay, we'll call him Hans. Hans. So uh, I think Hans and is Franz. In, exactly. Hans Wiedersnitzel. you up. All right. So I think that Hans is a, uh, a kind of a simple guy, and that the best job that he could find was as a custodial staff at the uh, the high-tech lab in town, okay? And I think that Hans is kind of a, kind of like a lawnmower man situation. Like he's in town, he's in there all the time. You know, he sees all these things they're working on. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't really get it. And so what he decides is that they're working on a serum that he wants, uh, he wants to take. He wants to test it. He wants to see if it can affect him in some kind of way. Well, Hans doesn't realize that they're not working on things to make people smarter. They're working on ways for people to metabolize uh, pure adrenaline faster. They're trying to make a better, faster, stronger, uh, more durable weapon. And so Hans uh, takes the aerosol version of this, uh, unbeknownst to everyone running the program, and he's just geeked out of his mind. He's running wide open, gets out in the car. He's running around. He gets in the car. He's hauling ass. Uh, trying to get where he's going. And uh, when the cops come, he gets scared because he knows, like, this is the only job I've got. I've got these, uh, you know, I stole from them and I'm going to get in trouble. So when he gets out of the car, he, he takes off running and uh, they're smelling his body metabolizing the adrenaline. That's what the smell is. And that's why it's so overwhelmingly powerful. And ultimately, that's why they found him because uh, he crashed. He didn't have the second. It's like a binary agent. So he didn't have the second part of the drug that uh, helped him come down. And so he just kind of crashed. And uh, I think that's what's going on with Hans over in Germany. So I love that it's a superhero origin story, except instead of a radioactive spider, it's hairspray. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. I mean, I thought the aerosol would look a little sexier, like they put it 
But you know, hairspray works, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, let me put the story back up here. Well done, R.A. Who would like to go next? <clears throat> no one else going. I'll go. Kevin, what do you got? All right. Uh, what we have here is a case of the undead. Uh, our good buddy uh, woke up one day uh, having not woken up at all. He went, to, uh, he went out and partied with some friends and got a little uh, drunk. And when he woke up the next morning, his body was starting to decay and smell, and he couldn't figure out what was going on until reports of uh, strange behavior in cemeteries and things started to come on the news. And uh, he discovers that he is the undead and slowly rotting. Uh, And so he covers up the smell with a bunch of perfume and everything he can find, and he's rushing to try to find help. So... When he's pulled over, the alcohol they they detect on his breath is actually what killed him. And then the smell that that they are smelling is what's covering up the uh, reality of his scenario. And while he is imprisoned, while he is in jail for driving under the influence, uh, he fully turns and starts to turn others. And uh, when they come to retrieve him from the cell, that's when the zombie apocalypse begins. Very nice. I like that one. That gets a (laughs) dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. I'll let Dave go last. Um, okay. I think what we have here um, is a classic, classic story <laughs> case of, uh, of just neo Nazis. Zombie llamas. Neo Nazis. Zombie bar mitzvah. Um, it is the uh, classic case of the neo Nazis. Um, rising, uh, trying to rise again to power, and they're doing it in a very um, strategic and um, strategic and uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, I, I can't Systematic. Think of it, no, never mind. Um, in, in a place that's um, very uh, going to make it make a statement. Aren't you a writer? Um, not not today. I'm not. <laughs> How many um, beers has it been? <laughs> yeah, that was that was tea. Um, what they're doing is trying to improve on the formula that they uh, that the Holocaust um, SS and, and, and Nazi Germany regime uh, used in gas chambers. And so the way they're doing that is by adding different chemicals to the equation. Now, what happens is one of the employees um, accidentally mixes in the active ingredient in Axe body spray because um, I'm not a chemist, even though I'm a writer, whatever that is and creates this super intense perfume deodorant smelling type thing um, that gets all over him. And he has to uh, essentially uh, race across the country on the Autobahn to, uh, um, I don't know, to get it off and take a shower. I don't know, <laughs> but he's driving and he gets pulled over and they, uh, they smell him. And it's so intense and strong that uh, now they have a lead as to the neo-Nazi uh, regime trying to rise again in power in Germany. So there, Nazi story. We have never mentioned Nazis on the show, so nice. I I felt it was necessary. You know, let, it's uh, let the just votes like, roll in. What's what's that law about arguments in the comments that invariably the God someone mentioning law. Hitler approaches one? So in story on the spot, it take, apparently takes six episodes before the Nazis come out. But uh, also, Nick, I'm pretty sure the active ingredient in Axe is axiom, the uh, axiom chemical. Perhaps, 
Perhaps. 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 Um, all right, Dave, bring us home with the final pitch for the final story prompt of episode number six. Dun, dun, all right. dun. No one can agree on what this guy smells like, only that he has a powerful scent and that everyone is drawn to it in a different way. And it seems to come and go. And they and the guy's really disoriented and weird. So they pass him off back at the station to the most junior of all the detectives. He's a conspiracy theorist. Nobody really respects him that much. And as they're questioning this guy, he glances over and realizes there's something a little bit wrong with the guy's reflection in the mirrored window. It's not that he has none, but it's not right. But nobody's paying this guy any attention in the process of investigating some of the other oddities that he starts finding about this confused man. It leads to experiments that are being done uh, that are based on finding some actual vampires and trying to replicate their DNA, their biology, things like that. That's why he's got this, he's, this guy is malfunctioning though. He's a failed experiment. That's why he sporadically has this powerful scent that different people are drawn to. That's why he doesn't always have a reflection. And they find grave robbing. They follow the clues and eventually find that Vlad the Impaler is still alive and trying to build an army. Wow. I like that nobody can agree on what he smells like. Like it's a Laurel versus Yanny situation. It's like, I think he smells like lilacs. The, oh, the I dress think is blue. Like dog crap. The blue gold dress. <laughs> the blue gold dress. All right, everyone. Uh, that's oh. our time. I mean, not really. We could theoretically keep going forever. We wanted to, but that I'm deciding arbitrarily that as the arbiter, that that is our time. And I really want to All thank right. uh, Dave Wood for showing up today. And let me put on our banner. That's got our websites. Dave, sorry. You're uh, what, what's your website, Dave? So David Wood web.com. But if David you just Google Wood, David good, David Wood adventure author, you'll find me. David Wood web web is also another word for the internet. That's why oh, right. it's let's, David let the record Wood also show Jim didn't have enough time to type any information into that banner before the show started. He just couldn't find the minute, the, 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 the portion of a minute it would take to do that. So we, we love having you on the show, Dave, clearly. Well, thank you. We spent a lot of time preparing for this. I'm for deeply you wounded, you know. I'm, I'll probably cry <laughs> when this is over. Oh, God, do I have to edit the stupid banner just to throw it up there? So he yeah, was the only one who got to say his website. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in and have a great day. Yep. See ya.